And I think just those conversations, I'm hopeful. You know, it's like it's like the gospel. I'm just planting the seed, right? Let, allow it to be watered um, by hopefully many other people as time goes on to see if it bears fruit over time. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. Russ, welcome to the show. Matt, man, thank you for having me on. It's great to catch back up with you again. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know that we like to start with the difficult questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? Dude, I, I'm not that hard. I'm a pistachio guy. How about that? Like, like if I can find a place with a good pistachio ice cream, that's going to be my go-to almost every time. So we were out in California recently, and we waited in line for this gelato place for 42 minutes for this ice cream. And you know if there's a line around the corner, it's got to be good, right? They had right. by far the best pistachio ice cream, I think, well, gelato that I've ever yeah. had in my life. So salty, so creamy. It was delicious. Fantastic. Yeah, you, you can't beat that. Yeah. Well, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Man, I've been running um, a company called Wealth Without Wall Street for a while, and we've been you know, on a mission to help people break free from trading time for money, right? I think our, our goals, our missions are aligned. It has been kind of on the heart of my business partner and I to, to help break the myths that exist out there of why Wall Street is not the place to build wealth. And that, you know, it's really nothing more than a, a marketing campaign for the financial sector to be able to create passive income for themselves. I was having a conversation the other day, Matt, with this guy. And he was like, man, you, you talk about passive income. What does that look like? I was like, well, I mean, you know that you've been taught to save and invest in your retirement plans, right? Get a good rate of return. And if you do really, really good, you get to retire and run off in the sunset at like 60. He's like, exactly. It's like, yeah, that's a, that, that's a scam. That's a myth. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, have you ever noticed that the financial advisors live in really nice houses, drive really nice cars, and go on amazing vacations? He's like, yeah. And I was like, did you know that those advisors get to make the same amount of money when they're on vacation as when they're actually in the office talking to you? He's like, uh, well, how's that work? I was like, because they have passive income or reoccurring income. And it comes in the form of management fees. And what we do is teach people who want to become financially free how to get there faster. Now, they don't go build necessarily an investment practice. They go and build themselves as an investor and start building streams of income that come in regardless if they're at work, working in something hopefully they're passionate about, or if they're out vacationing, spending time with their family, doing the things they really want to do. Yeah, I never even thought about the fact that Wall Street gets paid a passive income stream to build their businesses, and that's why they're so successful, is the more money you give them, the higher their fees and reoccurring revenue is. Well, it, here's the thing. is, I know we'll get into talking about income and passive income, and I know that's something that you're doing a lot of and have become very successful at. I think people sometimes also uh, make the... Um, the assumption that passive is always passive, but that's not the case. I, I like using the investment world as an example because the person, the advisor who started, they worked really hard to to network, you know, build relationships, create assets under management, right, to get to a point where they have that recurring revenue. Or, you know, a prominent example is Michael Jordan. A lot of us, I don't know if you've seen the new movie yeah. with Nike. It's really good. Movie. Yeah, ah. yeah. We see, and I'm not going to give away for everybody who hasn't listened to all the details, but one of the things that I loved about this is they said at the end of the movie that he brings in like $400 million a year from the royalties from the Air Jordan brand. Well, he worked really hard early on in his career to 
create the ability for that relationship to happen. But now he's reaping the rewards. That's what passive income is. It's working, being involved early on and creating something that can happen over and over and over again for a long time, if not uh, indefinitely. Yeah, I think Michael Jordan is a very competitive person, but one of the quotes they mention in the movie is like, nobody's going to want to buy my shoes if I'm not winning championships on the courts. And that's really helped drive his success as well. And to your point, now he's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year and not even playing basketball anymore. Yeah, it, yeah it's interesting. I was like Googling it and said it maybe he made like under a hundred million in his like 13, 14 years actually in professional mm-hmm. basketball. And now he makes way more than that in just one year just yep. from the royalties. Yep. Yep. Well, you didn't start Wealth Without Wall Street before having a history. So I, I wonder if you could take us back to where did your passive income journey really begin? Ooh, passive income journey. So I actually the first um, passive income I had, Matt, was I bought a little single family uh, rental property in my college town, Auburn, Alabama. And a buddy of mine had, had just converted a, a bunch of apartments into condos. And he's he had one that came back to him. The guy had went into bankruptcy, and he's like, "Man, I got a deal for you." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, okay, you know, like I want to get into real estate." And I, man, when that first ninety-seven dollars came in a month, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, right? Like, I I guess I could have taken a couple friends out for ice cream, yeah. And and up until the probably the third month when the apartment above it or condo above it flooded out my unit and I paid Surfpro. I feel like for the next two years out of that $97 and that's where it began and that's where it stalled. Um, it, I'd say that unit actually cost me 11 years on my passive income journey and here's why is because I didn't really relate to the specific um, investment like as much as I wanted to be an investor um, when I realized that None of my nieces and nephews end up wanting to go to Auburn. I had like so many. I had like almost 20 nieces and nephews. I thought, oh, they're all going to go there and there. Guaranteed. I I got a place for this thing to be rented. I'm going to have enjoyment because of it. None of that happened. And as much as I wanted to, you know, promote the unit, it was one unit of 20-something thousand units down there. And it was nothing peculiarly interesting about it that would like allow people to say oh if that's available i'm gonna rent it and i just was like oh well this is what passive investing looks like i'm out i don't want to do it and it wasn't until joey and i started our podcast in 2017 and started interviewing all these really interesting people like yourself and and i just realized that there's so many more investment ideas out there that ultimately as i didn't know what it was called at that time I didn't know what my investor DNA was, and as I learned more about it, I realized that my investor DNA was more connected to things that I could influence and manage, and then I kind of built it up, and it, it spawned from there. Yeah, so I've heard you mention the investor DNA a couple times on your podcast and really helping uh, investors or people that come to you define what their investor DNA is, and that really comes back to what I think is clarity. Like if you don't know which route you're going, any road will take you there. It's important that we know what our end goal is before tying what type of investment we want to do before we get there. So help us understand if I'm sitting down with you for the first time, I've heard about passive income. I want to get involved in building passive income streams. How do you help people figure out what their investor DNA is? 
Yeah, so the investor DNA, I think, is probably one of the most vital things behind knowing why you would want to be financially free from the beginning. You said clarity, right? So we always start from that standpoint. If if someone's why is not greater than their why not, it really won't matter, right? And when people understand that they've been trading time for money and it's preventing them from doing A, B, or C, then it, and we say, hey, there's a way to overcome A, B, and C, then you can actually get to that point faster when knowing it. We go through that process and one of the things that you said is we want to help them understand who they were built as. Like God made us a very specific way. We see the world very uniquely, but it's not so unique in the fact that nobody else has ever seen the world that way. And, and so we utilize um, some personality assessments that tell you probably some of the things you already knew. Like so many of us have taken, you know, Myers-Briggs, Culture Index, DISC, Colby, all these things. But what I never found is that how did that relate to the investment world, right? I came out of the investment, um, you know, financial world. I was a certified financial planner for a number of years. And we would do these risk analysis, right, assessments. And they were really nothing more than based upon your age and your tolerance for risk, which, again, a lot of that is just kind of make-believe garbage, in my opinion. But what was evident to me is that people see the world very uniquely, and they want to be able to invest in things that connect to them. And like I, when I was investing in that condo down in Auburn, I wasn't connected to the the way that it was. It was managed by someone else. I couldn't influence it. So regardless of how much money or how little money it made, it wouldn't have made a difference to me. Like, I, yeah, I could have went and bought a hundred more of those and it would have brought in more money, but because I wasn't connected to how I could influence it, I didn't want to do it. But when I did my investor DNA, I realized, oh, I love to influence. I love to be able to have the ability to you know, have a conversation with the operator and talk a little bit about how can we market it better? How can we grow this better? And that's what we end up doing is utilizing like the top 10 that we've seen passive income streams that are exist out there. And we started matching them up to this personality assessment. We said, oh, if this person is a driver. Here are the things that are going to be pros in the driver's eyes. And here's going to be the cons. Here's the things that they're really not going to want to do. And that way, when someone is sitting there out there, they're trying to figure out where do I start? And they've got a, just a world of options. A lot of times that could be the obstacle that prevents them from even taking the first step because they're like, well, how do I know which one's the best? What if I make a mistake and all of these things? So what we've tried to do is connect the dots for them, narrow the path to one or two options so then they can go deeper. And if not, you know, again, is it foolproof? Doesn't mean it'll 100% be accurate. But what we found is it has eliminated a lot of things that people didn't know about an investment beforehand. And they were like, oh, because I understand that, there's no way I would want to do that. So let me try these options. And it's, we've seen a lot of success from the people who've gone down that path. Yeah, that's really smart because, I mean, the way I'm kind of thinking about that too is there might be some sort of asymmetrical investment that I could go down, but the ride towards that asymmetrical outcome is very ups and downs, very choppy, very up 100% one day, down 25% the next day. And whether you think you're control of your financial emotions or not, that's a really hard journey to go down. And you need to know that you're about to go down that journey. Whereas if you invest passively in like something like a real estate note, for instance, I mean, it's literally just collecting payments. There's not a whole lot of ups and downs are going to be beyond somebody not paying a payment. 
So when you're going down this path, what are some of the things you mentioned 10 income streams? If I'm more of a driver, what are some of those income streams? And then maybe balance it out. If I'm more of a passive person, steady Eddie, what are some of those? Yeah. Well, I mean the driver, right? What do we want? We want, we want quick results. <laughs> we, we want it to be super straightforward and, and see how that thing works out. The, the steady Eddie person, they're looking for something that any, anything that would be quote unquote um, new hasn't been um, working for 25 years or longer. I'm probably not going to do it. I'll, I'll start with the latter since we're there is short term rental. That has been something that has become very popular, very um exciting for a lot of investors and joey and i we had a short-term rental business for about three years we actually recently just sold it but it was something that we love because it was new was exciting that appealed to us but yet the the person who is what we would say like on a disc profile a c profile or an s profile very cautious very steady the newness of it not understanding the volatility and the occupancy within it is something that they are going to shy away from more times than not, right? The um, the only time they would I see an S or C get involved in say short-term rentals is when it's something like maybe in the mountains, right? Those are down at the beach, and those properties they have track records and histories for the last ten or fifteen years, right? Because VRBO has been around forever. It's not it's not a yeah. new thing. You know, Airbnb has just been great at marketing it. And, and making it more accessible to the average person. So they, when I see people that want to get into short-term rentals, if they have an S or C profile, I'm like, you're going to only want to do it in these type of markets that have history. Well, for um, you know the the D profile, the I profile, quick results, um, you know, unique results, the ability to control and expand the business. So short-term rentals is definitely one of those areas that I see them. Um, loving. I, I see people in the land flipping world. Um, I don't know if you guys have interviewed Mark Podolsky or his team, the Land Geek, before, but I love uh, I love that aspect because you can kind of do deal making. You can be involved in it. Um, it's something that um, you can have results fairly quickly, and it allows you to have really good returns. I see people with D profiles in private lending, right? Because again, it, it, it goes down to being able to make quick decisions and seeing results. The the profile that typically more steady Eddie, um, the syndication round. I know that you guys are, are in that world and you know it's one of those things that I can analyze the deal, I can see the opportunity, I can analyze the people running it, and I can minimize my risk if I want to invest in multiple deals. I love that, right? So there's lots of different kind of nuances, but for us, you know, being able to create kind of a, a matrix for people to look at and see the pros, the cons, and what's all involved, both financial, time, and everything else, I think helps people narrow the path to uh, figuring out which one's the best way for them to enter and expand. Yeah, I hear it a lot in the financial industry around like, um, the end game matters, but if you get to that end game, it's not a matter of being there, it's the journey along the way. And I think what I'm hearing from this conversation is we all want to be financially secure at the end of our journey, but how you get there is gonna determine how happy you are along the journey as well. So if I'm involved in something that doesn't make me happy every day, the end result will not be as satisfying, even if it's the same result in terms of being financially free. Well. <laughs> I agree with that 
and and I'll add a little nuance to it. I don't think we have. I heard someone else say this, and I can't remember who to give credit to. They said you don't have to be happy doing what you're doing if it makes money, but you need it needs to give you the ability to do something that you're happy doing, right? There's some people that I we have in our community. They make you know great incomes, three hundred, four hundred, half million dollars a year. They don't really like the job that they're doing, but it provides them the ability to go invest in deals and create passive income streams that's ultimately going to be their way out of it, right? And once that happens, they probably will exit that that space. But also, when it comes to investing, I do think that the things that you're investing in have to be connected because otherwise you probably won't expand. I'm just using my own experience is I didn't expand my investments through the single family rental property. Not that that's not a bad, that's not a good one, right? Like we have hundreds if not thousands of listeners that that's exactly the way that they've created financial freedom for themselves. You know, like the Camuras, we interviewed them. I mean, they buy a property like every, you know, five days. We interviewed Mitch Steven. He bought a property like every two to three days. I mean, and had been doing it for 20 years. So it's obviously a very successful strategy, but it wasn't for me because I wasn't related to it. So I think the things that we're not connected to, we won't invest a lot. And so it won't make a difference. So yep. it, it depends on the scenario. But it, I, I want to add that little uh, caveat because I think, you know, in work, sometimes we can do it if it, it, it justifies the end of what we're trying to get to. But investing, I do think it's way more accurate because ultimately the things that we really get excited about, we will put more money and more effort and more focus on it. And I think it'll help us get those results faster. Yeah. So to that point, you've talked a lot. You you guys have uh, an investor, passive investor report that you produce out monthly. And when I was looking through that, you've got a ton of things you're involved in from used to be the short term rental to e-commerce businesses, to land flipping businesses, to having a community and informational products and things like that. Everybody always wants to talk and point to the successes, but given the amount of investing experience that you have, what are some maybe areas that you didn't have as much fun in in that investment journey? And how did how would you, looking back on that experience, have known that going into it so people can maybe avoid that pitfall? Yeah, well, man, um, the list is longer probably on the things that I've done wrong than the things I've done right. And, it, you know, people say, well, Rush, should I invest in all of these things because I see you guys posting on all these things. I was like, well, yeah, if you want to start a podcast community and you can call it education, right? <laughs> I like lots of things, but I can justify it because we get to share it with the audience. There's a handful of things that have been super successful. There's been a lot of things that we've gotten involved in that that haven't, right? And, you know, I've invested in, in a handful of syndications that went really wrong and because I didn't know the operators. And I had no way to influence the outcome of what was happening. And some of those deals, you know, ultimately were not what I had hoped them to be. And I, you know, if I could go back and had had some conversations with the people that I could have gotten deeper down that road, I think I would have either not invested or gone a different track, right? Now I've invested in some syndications because I know the operators have been able to find more about them and have had a lot of success there. So I think, you know, that's one area. Joey and I have put our, our toe in the water a little bit in the Turo and uh, RV space. And I would say for most of us, that is not a place to build revenue. It's it's fun to, 
you know, RV hack or to car hack. My daughter is getting a, a fancy luxury car actually probably this afternoon. And I've, we've had the conversation of what she has to do to operate it. But it's, it's not going to be a revenue generator. It's going to be a car hack. It'll ultimately pay the payment, allow her to drive it a couple times a, a month and enjoy it and teach her a little bit about business. But it's not the thing that I think will will have ultimate success. Um, for us, private lending has not been as good as I would have liked it to be. Like we, we did some private mortgages and tied up money for longer than we wanted to. Um, the the return on them was good, but not great. And so I, I realized that, you know, that's an area that because we are not that SC profile, right? It, it didn't truly just match up with who we were. We wanted faster results. We wanted to be able to find another opportunity and get involved in that. And that, that was an area flipping houses for us. Like, um, we, we bought a, um, a luxury home that we were going to actually turn into, like an event space. I know you're up in um, the Nashville area. We had uh, stayed in a space just south of there in Franklin. And we're really excited about the idea of starting like an event um, location with luxury accommodations. And so we bought a property subject to the mortgage and thought that was pretty cool. And then the fact that we have low details, didn't realize that the uh, neighborhood in the city were going to revolt on us and they, <laughs> they they changed their minds on the the rules governing that and and so ultimately we end up having to flip that property and realize that we're not home flippers and so that um, that's something that we weren't going to expand into so those are just a handful of areas from my own experience and again i think there's so many positive scenarios out there of people that have done all those things i just said and had great experience but for me those are just not a fit with my investor dna yeah, and that would fit in uh, Franklin, that last one there, if you didn't have close neighbors. If you have close neighbors, people are pretty noisy down there, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned teaching your daughter about uh, a little bit of business acumen. This is something that I'm kind of dwelling in my mind right now about how you teach the kids about money. So the kids are seven and five on this side. Um, maybe talk a little bit about how old your kids are and some of the things you're doing with your kids to help them teach them about business, money, passive income streams. Yeah, so mine are a little bit older. So I have 17, 15, 13, and 10. And my 17-year-old is right now working with me in with this Turo business. So we're about to have our second car. It's no, you know, it's it's a hobby, not a not a business, right? It's not making money. But one of the things that I wanted to do is be able to teach her how a business works, right? There's cost of goods sold, there's you know, marketing, there there's all the kind of follow-through, the labor, all the things. And I was struggling because the businesses I get involved in, I only get involved if there's already operators. Mm-hmm. And we, we'd used some of her money before she, when she turned 16, I was like, okay, well, we'll take a loan against your life insurance policy. We'll go buy uh, furniture, put it into a short term rental. We'll let our, our manager manage it. The cash flow that you get can repay your insurance policy and allow you to get a new car or a car, not new, but a car. And she did that. It was great. But there was really very little ways for me to help her like understand how that business worked because it was completely hands-off to me. While she learned how money worked a little bit by, oh, I have to 
you know, if I'm going to buy a car, I don't want to pay cash. Here's why I don't want to pay cash. Explain that. We've played the game cash flow for kids when they were littler. And then we went and bought cash flow 101 as they've gotten older. But I think, you know, it's those real life applications that are super helpful. So I've, they've read, you know, Profit First, Becoming Your Own Banker. Uh, we did the Rich Dad Poor Dad for teens with them, you know, even did interviews with them on the podcast. But another thing we've been doing is that for probably the last, I don't know, five years for my oldest, they've attended at least one, if not two, some sort of financial workshop, seminar, mastermind with me. And and it's fun now to see as we do these events a couple times a year that we we have probably 10 to 20 teens that show up. The parents are bringing them. And so now they're able to create their own little groups as well and have these conversations so that's been, you know, one of the ways it's making it more common, right? I think it's when it's, it's not the conversation, the normal conversation in the household is awkward, but for, for us, it's more common. My, my son is running a snow cone, um, vending, um, you know, operation right out of the playhouse in my front yard. And, um, yesterday you realized that we live out on 30 acres and there's, um, his not a lot of foot traffic. Yeah, his cousins are the, cl- the closest people to us. And uh, he's like, yeah, dad, um, he's, he's hit me up all last night and this morning. I think we need, a, we need to buy a snow cone truck. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is a snow cone truck? He goes, you know, one of those trucks that rides around and people can buy snow cones. And I was like, oh, see, now he's starting to think like, yeah, yeah the foot traffic is pretty low when we're at the end of a dead end, you know, gravel road way out in the middle of nowhere. But if we start going to our customers, we got more opportunities. So... I just, you know, it's just fun to to get them involved in these things and and hopefully see them have these, you know, conversations at an earlier age. I, I did. Uh, I know I'm going long here, but I'll share one more story. I I took my daughter um, on a trip to um, a college trip last last fall, and we were sitting there after going and doing all the stuff, and it was fun. And we sat down in the little cafeteria area, and, and you know, all of these, you know, hundreds of students are buzzing around. And I said, I want, I want to just talk, you know, candidly about kind of what's going on. I was like, you know, ninety-something percent of all of these kids walking around will get to a point where they are dissatisfied in the jobs that they're in, and they'll wonder what else is available to them what else can they do they'll have you know done all of this school trained to be whatever profession they're in they'll work for 10 15 20 years hard and they'll be pumped to the sky wishing there was something else and i was like i just want to expose you to these things earlier on so you know that there are options and if you decide to go down the same path as every one of these kids then that's fine but I, I want you to know that most of these will be searching for companies like ours to show them ways to get out of that. And I think just those conversations, I'm hopeful. You know, it's like it's like the gospel. I'm just planting the seed, right? Let, allow it to be watered um, by hopefully many other people as time goes on to see if it bears fruit over time. Yeah, I mean, 
the art, my strategy has been to try to talk about it, try to normalize money, try to talk about adding value to the world because that's where you're going to get your biggest, biggest return on investment. So I talk about who's the richest person in the world. It's Jeff Bezos. Why is he the richest person in the world? Because he provided the most value to more people than anyone else in the world. You can order anything at any time and it show up within your, on your doorstep within four hours. That is very, very valuable. And that's why he's compensated for that. Um, but I think it's also equally important to have a community of people that are telling the stories too. So it's not just you, uh, the parent in that situation. And one of the things I admire about what you guys have built is you've built that community around that. So I, I wonder if you could just shed some light, talk us through the Wealth Without Wall Street community, what you guys are teaching over there, and give us a little insight into what you all have going on on that front. Yeah, so the community was huge for us. when Matt, when we started our podcast, we... <laughs> We did it uh, by accident, and Joey couldn't even spell podcasts. I had never listened to one, and a younger guy on our team was like, I think you guys should do this, because we would, at the time, we had a kind of a brick-and-mortar office, and people locally were, you know, 99% of our clients were local, only ones that weren't, people had moved away. And they would come into our office, and they'd talk a little bit about the things they're doing with their money and it'd be kind of exciting and I'd share it with the next two or three people you know that I thought would be you know interested in something similar and I just thought this is very inefficient like we need a way to share these ideas with everybody and that's where our younger guy was like hey you guys start a podcast and so we did and we just thought we were going to have a weekly conversation with our existing 500 to a thousand clients that we had built and with that, it, it ultimately spawned into this much bigger thing. You know, we're, we've gone over a million downloads on the podcast and people, you know, doing business with people all over uh, in all 50 states. But we realized that in order to, to really help all of those people, we needed a place for them to go and to feel like they were not isolated, right? Because I think one of the hardest things for us is we're, you know, you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't have five, 10, a hundred people or more that you can have a regular conversation about, hey, I'm investing in things that have nothing to do with my 401k or my IRA, right? I'm not going to try to work at this job for the next 40 years to, you know, to ride off in the sunset. I'm looking for strategies that to let my life look more like Matt's life, right? I'm inspired by what Matt has accomplished. And I think when we don't have that community, it, it 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 is sometimes defeating and sometimes prevents us from getting to that spot and and so we uh, we knew we wanted to do it we started off with the facebook group but we realized that had obstacles and you know um, you go to look at something on the facebook group and before you know it you're off into cat memes and political you know conversations <laughs> and we're derailed for three hours in, in a direction that didn't get us any closer to being financially free and, and so we we built um this this community on a kind of a platform that you can go to the uh, app store and type in wealth wall street and download it and and so our conversations are all around how do we create financial freedom what are ways other people are doing it and it's very it's no solicitation so we don't allow the people in there to go hey i'm you know i'm investing in this deal over here would anybody else want to invest with me <laughs> like we, <laughs> we 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 want to guard against that now of course we're constantly removing the um the crypto uh, scammers that, that get in and start private messaging people but that you know uh, if there was a way i could keep them from getting in from the beginning it'd be great 
but uh, then we went deeper. We started to have people saying, hey, you guys are, quote, unquote, the passive income kings. How, how do we start learning more about how to become better investors? And so we did a, our first event, Matt, two years ago, actually just south of Nashville and Franklin. And uh, we invited 35 people and 32 people came. And we and that was the, the genesis for starting our first passive income mastermind group. And we meet, you know, two times a month, virtually two times a year, um, all over the place. We just got back from the British Virgin Islands uh, with our group and have a trip uh, planned to Denver um, in October with that group. And it, it's just amazing to see the community grow and and just continue. So now we're a little over 7,000 members and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think I want to take the time to uh, applaud you on the fact that most of the time somebody comes on and says those sorts of things, it's like, oh, but you got to pay this much a month to be a part of the community. You all are offering an opportunity for to say, hey, I want to stick my hand up and be around people that are thinking about this, talking about this, and have different experiences and ideas around this. Oh, and if I want to go further, then I can and, and through a paid wall, but you don't have to pay to be a part of your community. You just have to show up and add value. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, that it's definitely something that we love. It's a passion project for us. It's the thing that I, I guard as much as I possibly can, um, and that's the reason why we're we're very protective of who gets in there. So that way, you know, that somebody isn't um, who, who's learning about how to become a investor doesn't make a decision uh, without the knowledge. And, and so, yeah, it's it's definitely it's fun to see that grow and, and to be able to add people like yourself and others who can come in and continue to add value to the group and ask questions and everybody learns together through uh, great questions. Yeah. Well, Russ, I know you got to pick up a car for the uh, for your daughter there. So I want to be cognizant of your time and transition us now into our last round. We're calling this the five toppings. Our first one is what is your favorite book or what is a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Man, um, great books. I mean, there's so many that uh, I could point to. I'm going to pull up my Audible because I, I love seeing it, talking about some of the, the most recent ones. You know, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out my favorite investment is land flipping, right? So for okay. those who have not read the book Dirt Rich, my, my good friend Mark Podolsky has an amazing book that I would point you to to say, hey, this is this is something that can, can help you. Uh, one of the recent ones I've been listening to is the second in command um, because, you know, I think as a as a visionary kind of CEO mentality, I know my my strengths, but also know my weaknesses and having um, people that are operators around me is super important. And so I, I've been uh, digging through materials that connect uh, to that uh, that extreme there. Um, trying to think of another one that uh, is that Cameron Harold. It is Cameron Harold, yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he was the COO for Got Junk. And so mm -hmm. some, some people have, have seen that brand take off. And um, so anyway, I, I, I won't waste any more time. That, other ones that I would talk about, most people, uh, you know, the, the building a story brand, Donald Miller right there in your backyard. That, that was one of my, uh, my favorites for a long time. Yeah. Well, speaking of clarity, Cameron Howard also wrote Vivid Vision, which I'm digging into right now as well. That's so. great. Yep. Our second one is, I believe the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the habits that you have and the things you do every day. What are some of the things that you do every day? So I, I, I wake up in the morning, I go work out um, with two to three um, guys. I have been doing that for the last three to four years uh, straight. 
and uh, I follow uh, I wear a whoop band so health is important to me so I'm a whoop guy uh, so I'm looking at my sleep I have you know a health coach and and have a daily conversations uh, via text and, and weekly conversations uh, through them um, I, I, I love to get in the word and have some quiet time uh, spend time you know better understanding the Lord through that and man and go, go on a bike ride as often as I can with my, my 10 year old son who um, ha- has just uh, a vigor for life that uh, encourages me every day. Yeah, infinite energy at that age. Yes. Our third one is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, find a great mentor and make sure before you um, get into partnerships that you know everything you know can know about that person um, because partnerships are like marriages just you take out the sex and but it has all the other things and so um, great mentors and great partners can make amazing uh, life success yep yep our fourth is what is the thing that you're most proud of in your life man most proud of being being able to have conversations with people like you man like the ability to one one of my vision board goals you know 13 years ago and if i showed it showed you the picture it, it would show a, a a microphone and at the time it was you know i was speaking in front of you know 50 to 100 people in some you know monthly by month you know, every other month kind of basis and so i had this vision of man what if i could speak to 500 people one day you know like would that be amazing and and to be here here talking with you and you have you know thousands not tens of thousands of people that are going to hear this like that's that just blows me away constantly that that we have this ability to to impact people's life and, and to have platforms that can reach people so that's super cool yeah, going to from speaking to fifty people to a million downloads, I think is a uh, is a good little headline right there. Yeah, totally. Our fifth one is: if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and why? People who know know me um, know that I, I got a chance to be mentored by a man named Nelson Nash, and he he wrote a book called "Becoming Your Own Banker," and it was. An amazing influence in my life. If there was one book I would always tell people to read, become become your own banker. But I'm sure you shared it with people and others on your podcast have. I, you know, the, I, I think back to all the times that he stopped by my office, that I was on a call or in a meeting that I couldn't have, I couldn't had that bowl of ice cream with him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I, I think, man, if I could go back and have all of those, because every time I sat down with him and had conversation. He was the most well-read and the most um, interesting person that I've ever met, and he always answered questions with more questions. And I think every experience I left better and, and, and more thoughtful, and he would tell us to think about our thinking, and I, I would love to have more of those conversations and look forward to some point in eternity to, to having that talk with him. Yeah, if nothing else than to listen to that man's accent. I mean, just the best <laughs> accent I think I've ever heard in my life. And yeah, you're right. We've shared the book several times on the show. I've got it hanging on the bookshelf back here because it's such an impactful uh, book in my journey as well as I'm sure many, many others. Yeah. Well, Russ, thanks for the time. I appreciate you coming on the show. Very impactful. 
if our listeners wanted to reach out to you, learn more about what you've got going on at with Wealth Without Wall Street, where is the best place we could point them? Yeah, so I'd love for you, if you go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash ice cream with investors, uh, we've given you basically access to, to connect with us in many different ways, whether it's on social, through our podcast, to join our community, or for those who are like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in a mastermind. I'm interested in, in, in being around you know other eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs that are, are like, you know, scaling to 200% of passive income over their monthly expenses. We give you all those opportunities on there. Perfect. We will link those in the show notes. And then Russ, thanks for coming on the show. Man, Matt, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.